Jesus said that happiness is a heart condition. Happiness comes from the inside out. So we want to know, if, if we're searching for a pure heart, how many know in today's society there's a lot of recklessness going on, a lot of lawlessness taking place? And so we want a pure heart. So we have to be careful not to send mixed motives, even with our own statements and our own actions. Do not speak out one thing, but then allow your actions to display something else. Amen? I, I get around people, and they're like, oh, praise the Lord, Pastor Owen. Yes, hallelujah. Let's pray. And then they go into the these and the thous, but then their life doesn't really show anything, and it's kind of like a performance. Don't do Just be authentic. Amen? Just be you. Be real. And, and say, Lord, just help me each and every day. I get up in the morning and I just pray and I, I say, Lord, after my devotions, I'm like, what is on your heart today that you would have me to do? Direct my steps. What's on your heart, Jesus? Is it possible to do good things with wrong motives? Is it possible to do good things with wrong motives? Yes, it is. Very much so. Um, uh, you can look great on the outside, but man, there can be a lot of evil on the inside. A lot of evil. Be consistent inside and out with no mixed motives. Have integrity of the heart. Integrity of the heart. Now, I am the same in the pulpit as I am outside of the pulpit. And all I want on my gravestone is he was authentic. He was authentic. He was Owen no matter where he was. I didn't put on a front or a show. I just was Owen. And I think there's something to be said about being real with your life. It doesn't mean that you justify your actions and you blurt out your opinion all the time and you dismantle people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being authentic and still showing the fruit of the Spirit. Very important that we do that. So Matthew chapter 6 which is the following chapter is all about this, to be consistent inside and out, and how to develop a pure heart. So there's three steps that we're going to look at today. Number one, remember that God sees everything. Remember that God sees everything. Now, most of us know that, but He sees everything. He sees you when you're by yourself. He sees you in the company of coworkers. He sees you with your children, with your spouse. God sees everything. And with all the technology that we have that we can get into with our iPads, our computers, our iPhones, it's amazing how people think they're hiding things. And God sees everything. And that should make you pause and think about, man, what am I doing, God, in those times when nobody else is around and I'm not thinking about you watching me? What am I doing? Am I encouraging you? Am I building up the kingdom? Or am I being destructive to my own self or others around me. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 through 6 says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
So as I was preparing this message, I thought, man, God, you just watch every aspect of my life. You know my thoughts. I would not want my thoughts on the screen today, amen? From this past week, I wouldn't want them. I wouldn't want my thoughts on the screen when I came into my basement yesterday and I found water on the floor. You wouldn't want my thoughts on the screen. And as I'm tearing up the floor and I'm trying to figure out where is this coming from? And my son, not too long ago, had installed a dishwasher for us. And I'm looking all around thinking, did Jared make a mistake? But he didn't. And our well pup comes through the basement wall, and there's a line there, and water was coming through the hole that they had drilled in the basement wall, and it was seeping down. And we'd gotten all that rain, so it started coming in. So Jared was like, thank you, Jesus, it wasn't me. Because the money I paid him was really good money. And the warranty was going to be held. I didn't, he didn't charge us anything. So. But God sees all of our thoughts and actions. He sees our sinful decisions. Amen? Has anybody here sinned this week? Can I see your hand? Man, I am amongst a bunch of... Whew. But we can't hide from God. And we've got to look at that. So look at Hebrews 4.13, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to his eyes, of, exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. So the thing that I want you to look at is we must realize that God sees all. He sees everything. Second thing there is, we've got to review our motives. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I doing Am I doing it because I want everybody else to see me and see what a saint I am? Am I doing it so that I'm getting brownie points for my wife? Am I doing it at work because I want that next promotion? What are your motives? What are your motives? Why do I do what I do? The Pharisees throughout Scripture did it for show. Jesus confronted them time and time again, and they did it for show. They wanted to be seen. I loved it when Jesus was in the temple, and they had all these kettles in the temple. There would be like nine or 11 kettles. And the Pharisees, man, they would make sure that when they came in, everybody knew they'd hear all that money go into the, the kettle. And Jesus was sitting close enough to watch what was going on. And the little widow came up with the two mites, two little tiny coins, and she dropped them in. They didn't make much of a sound. And Jesus goes on to say, she has given more than all. Because he knew her heart. He knew her heart and what she had. So it's important for us to understand that. We've got to be able to review our motives. Proverbs 24, 21, I'll give, but I want my name on it. And I'm not talking about memorials, but uh, names of the living. How many times have you seen people in churches, well, we're going to buy a brick. 
and and we're gonna we're gonna put our name on the pew. Or this hall is the hall of the Masons because they gave this, you know. And I'm not against that, but why? Why do you need your name on something? Just give and trust God. Amen. Just give and trust God. And I know there's a lot of traditional churches and they do that. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just like, man, just give it. Don't worry about any type of recognition. You don't have to be seen. Proverbs 24, 21, my son, fear the Lord and the king and do not join with those who do otherwise. We need to have a righteous, a respectful, a reverent fear of God. We need to have that reverent fear as we're serving God. We need to be able to serve God with our motives in our giving. In our giving. Matthew 6, 2 through 3. Thus, when you give to the needy, as I read before, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I have people come to me and they tell me this all the time. Now, pastor, I'm going to be giving this amount of money, or I'm thinking about doing this, and I'm like, why are you even telling me that? I don't need to know. Just give. And are you wanting recognition? And then a lot of times, if something changes or they don't give, that's on them, not me. But I don't need to know what you're giving. It's between you and the Lord. Amen? There's other times that people just want to buy to show who they are. No, just do it secretly. Just bless somebody. I like that joke about the man. He pulled up to a fast food restaurant, and, and uh, the gal behind him, he was looking at something, and he didn't go. He's an elderly man, and, and she got so mad. She's talking, and she's yelling, at him, go, go, let's go, move up. You got to move up, and she's yelling and everything, and he looks back at her, and so when he gets up there, um, after he places his order, he gets up to pay, and she had placed her order behind him. He said, uh, uh, I want to pay for my order and the order behind me. Okay. You're thinking, that's great. He's going to bless this woman who's so mad. And so when she gets up to pay, they tell her, well, the gentleman in front of you paid for you. She's like, oh, and now she's out the window. Thank you. Oh, you're so sweet. And he gets up to get his food, and he goes, yeah, I paid for both those orders. I'll take both that set of food. And he drives off. He drives off to teach her a lesson. Oh, my goodness. Now, don't do that to somebody. I can't imagine how mad she was after that. You see, be careful what you say because your character is being revealed. Do what you say, amen? Let your word be your word. I think that that's something that I probably struggle with the most. If somebody tells me, hey, Owen, I'm going to be at the church to do this or whatever, or hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for somebody, and then you found out that they didn't keep the word. That really, that does bother me. Because a man is only as good as his word. 
We want to keep our word. We're not looking for pats on the back. So do it in your giving. Do it in your praying. Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into the room and shut the door. Pray in secret. Who your father sees in secret. For years, Shaloi and I had this recliner, and she was getting so tired of that recliner. But I loved that recliner because I would get on my knees and plant my face in it. It was like my prayer recliner. I don't know what it was about that recliner, but man, I just love praying. And one day, she told me that that recliner was leaving. And I'm like, what? That's my favorite prayer spot. Well, we'll get you another one. You know, it's never been the same. It's never been the same. So now she's got this really pretty couch, so I just go and get on that pretty couch. And I, and I just plant my face in there, and, and I pray there. But you need a spot where you can go pray. I'm not saying you can't pray throughout the day and pray in your car, and, but, but there needs to be that prayer closet where you can go get alone with God and, and be able to pray. Don't pray so that you can be heard, amen? Or be about all, be about displaying your talent or your voice. That's not what prayer is about. We don't want to be applauded. We're not looking for accolades. We're not looking for somebody to uh, build us up because of our prayers or brag about our prayers. So don't pray to impress others. What about fasting? Nobody wants to talk about fasting today. I remember I've asked guys, hey, just, they're really struggling with something. Would you just go on a three-day fast? Are you kidding me, preacher? I could never give up food three days. Oh, you can, you little wusses. You can. I mean, if a guy like me can give up food for three days, and I, I tell him, I just want you to drink water, take those five or ten minutes that you're going to eat, get in the Word, and then spend time in prayer. And at the end of those three days, just have a, a, a little notebook beside you and see what God may tell you out of his word, what the Holy Spirit may speak to you. Fast three days. It'll make a difference. I had one guy, he's a big iron guy. Where, oh, and I can't, I can't, I can't do one day. So finally he did one day and he goes, hey, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And then he did a three-day fast. He's like, oh, no, that was harder. And, but you know what? There are times you're not rubbing on a lamp to get God to do something, but what you're doing is you're getting your focus off of you and you're getting more in tune with God so he can speak to you. That's really what fasting does. And I've, I've met probably in my life five folks that have done a 40-day fast. Just liquid only, and uh, I, I can't imagine doing something like that. Uh, that would be so hard. You have to be real careful how you do it. You have to be careful how you come off of it because um, it could infect your health. But you only want to do something if you really feel like God wants you to do something like that. But there's something to be said about fasting. And it goes on to talk about, well, don't look all gaunt and, and look like you're so worn. If you're fasting, don't let people know it. Amen? Don't let them know it. Just fast. Years ago, the Lord spoke to me about doing a 21-day fast, and I thought, no, 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 no. Because I'd done a couple of 10-day fasts, 10-day fasts, and I'm like, I don't want to do a 21-day fast. I don't, 
two years, I kind of battled. And finally, the Lord said, I, I just want you to do this 21-day fast. So I did it. And after about 14 days, I still went to work. Nobody knew I was on the fast. I was doing my thing. But after 14 days, man, you know what I find out when you do a long-term fast? You don't need as much sleep. It's amazing how your body readjusts and things go on there. You don't need the sleep, and you're really alert, but you go to bed earlier and get up earlier. So I did this 21-day fast. I thought, what was the purpose of this? And God gave me some songs that I wrote. And then he spoke to me about a group of people in our church, and he showed me them in revival. And he said, so I want you to open the door for them because I'm going to use them in a mighty way. And that took place. That took place. And those were the only two things I got out of a 21-day fast. But I obeyed the Lord in that. And so I just know that the Lord can use fasting. Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I just, I, I tell young people, teenagers all the time, especially 17, 18-year-olds, man, they're searching for God's will. Just, just take time to fast. Get along with God. Take the Word of God. And just fast and watch how God speaks to you about direction. There's something about that age 17, and you've heard me say this before, that it's a pivotal time. David, be anointed, being anointed king, um, looking at Joseph and the dreams that he had. Something about that 17, 18 year old age where God really just pours into young people some direction. So tune in and ask God, speak to me at this time. Allow me to do that. So if you're going to fast, wash your face, moose your hair, do something. Don't go around going, oh. I remember one service on a Sunday night, a guy I hadn't seen for probably 12 years. I used to play softball with him. He showed up, and I saw him sitting down on the second row, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, he's got a word for you from me. I'm like, okay. So after the service, he's like, Pastor Owen, could I meet with you? I know we haven't seen each other for years, but I feel like God's given me a word for you. And I'm like, okay. So we went behind the sanctuary. We, we sat down, and he said, I just completed a 40-day fast. Now I'm really tuned in because I've not heard too many people do that. And he started speaking into my life, and he told me things that were going to happen within the next few months, and he was right on. He was right on. I knew some of those things, had not shared it with anybody, and he said, this is going to happen, and this is what you're to do, and God's telling me to tell you this. And I thought, wow. And all those things took place, but I knew he had spent time with God. Three months later, he shows up, and I'm like, oh, no. Because some of those things that happened were not going to be good things, but God was preparing me. And he came to me and he said, listen, now this is going to happen, and this is how you're going to respond. And the Lord says, if you'll do this, 
This is what he's going to do. And he was right on. He was right on. So fasting really tunes you in with God, and it's important to do. Important to do. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper t- at the proper time he may exalt you. Dr. Michael Brown, if you haven't written, uh, read any of his books, he, did, he wrote a book called A Queer Thing Has Happened to America. Fantastic book. And he is hated by the gay, the lesbian group. They, he is the number one person they're against, and he's a... Uh, uh, born-again Jewish, Messianic Jew, and he's brilliant. He is brilliant. And he's written some fantastic books on the Holy Spirit. Um, He's challenged John MacArthur because John MacArthur has backstabbed him, said all kinds of mean things, but he won't meet with him one-on-one. He's like, come on, come and talk with me. Let's look at this. Michael Brown, and I've met him personally, uh, he truly has the character of Christ in him. He's very authentic but he's also very biblical. Brilliant man. Brilliant man. Um, But he makes this statement, stay as low as long as you can. No, stay low as long as you can. What's the statement, Adam? Stay as low as you can for as long as you can. That's his statement. And I remember him saying that, and I thought, that is so good. In other words, remain humble. Keep a pure heart. Remain low and watch what God does. We were at camp and God was just moving at camp and a little teenage boy, a middle school kid, gets up and he makes this statement at camp. Now there's, I don't know, three or four hundred people at camp that night and his name was Caleb. And he gets up at camp, and he says, there's somebody here, and you have cancer, and God wants to heal you. And all these young people are like, yes, yes, who is it? And we're waiting, and we're waiting. And then Jason Bridwell, who I didn't know, was battling cancer. This was how many years ago? 10? 12 years ago. And Jason stands up, and this little kid starts speaking to him. He goes, I'm supposed to pray for you. God's going to heal you of cancer. So he goes up there, and this kid, Caleb, prays for Jason, and Jason is healed of cancer, a miracle, all because this young teenage boy had a word. Man, don't knock this uh, Gen Z generation. I'm telling you, they're going to do more than we can imagine. I'm excited about it. I'm watching these young people. They're on fire. I'm watching Wednesday night as I'm back there fixing coffee and everything, and they don't have enough chairs for this youth group, and they're coming, they're getting chairs out of the sanctuary, and they're like, hey, we need more chairs. I'm like, keep going, keep going. Take as many as you want. Let it happen. Let them get on fire for God. 1 Thessalonians 2.4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who test our hearts. He wants to test our hearts. We've got to be able to allow the Lord to do that. Who are you trying to please the most? That's the question I have for you this morning. Who is it? Your, is it your spouse? Is it your employer? 
Is it somebody in the church or is it Jesus? Is it Jesus? Yes, we're to do good and yes, we're to be nice and yes, we're to be courteous. But who are you trying to please? Hopefully it's Jesus. Seeking to please him. You see, by asking yourself, who am I trying to please the most, that determines the condition of your heart. If you're seeking praise from others, you're going to get it, but it determines the condition of your heart. Who are you seeking to please? I was thinking about some folks, and I thought, now, I know some authentic people. Paula Bennett, she's very authentic. You don't have to worry about where you stand with Paula. Isn't that right, Jeff? And Jeff's pretty authentic, too. He'll let you know, but he doesn't as much as Paula does. Anita Taylor, she'll let you know where you stand. She's very authentic. I like that about people. Shane Harbolt will let you know where you stand with him. He's very authentic. Pastor Adam is really good about being authentic. He's got a gentleness about him, but he's always the same, no matter who he's with. And I love that about people. They're just real, being the same. Tim Overman, he's very authentic. A pure heart, that doesn't mean that you're perfect, but a pure heart means you're very transparent. A pure heart doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it means you're transparent. You're very authentic before God, and you're authentic with others. The third point today is this. We have to realign our priorities. Realign our priorities. It's important that we do that. Realign my priorities. Exodus tells us not to murder. That's a good priority. God wants top spot, no rivals. God wants top spot, no rivals. He doesn't want to compete with you, your spouse, your children, your job, your career, your money, your retirement. He wants top spot. An idol is anything you put before the Lord. So ask yourself this morning, is there anything that I'm putting before God that I shouldn't? Is it a car? Maybe you get strokes on your car and you're out there washing it every day. You didn't even drive it today because you didn't want it to get dirty. I'm not saying you can't be a good steward, but make sure it doesn't become an idol, amen? We can laugh about this stuff, but I'm telling you, people have idols in their life. Don't put it before the Lord. How do I know what my priorities are? There are three tests we're gonna look at. Three tests. Look at my activities. Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Even though I had water in my basement, I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad. I was just thankful that I went down there and caught it. I was thankful that, that had I not gone down there, it could have really gotten worse. And I wasn't upset that I had to tear part of the floor out and, and I'm going to have to redo that. I was like, thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, for revealing that to me. Look at your activities. Look at what you make your treasure on earth, as I just read in Matthew 6, 19. You've got to be able to circle your heart. Wherever you are putting your investment, that's where your heart is. Is your investment in the Lord? Has He brought certain people in your life that you're investing in? Training up your children? Look at your schedule. Look at your bank account, your withdrawals, where your money's going. That'll show you priorities, amen? Regardless of how we defend or say what is first, those things will reveal what really is first in our life. Who you hang with is who you become. I tell married guys that are hanging with a bunch of single guys or a bunch of guys that are no longer married because they've been divorced and they call their wives their old ladies and they, they say all these mean and cruel things or single gals are, that are married gals hanging with single gals who call, well, the old grumpy at house or whatever. If you're going to hang with those people, they're going to taint you. They're going to taint you. What's your priority? The second thing is this. When it comes to our priorities is look at my anxieties. Look at my anxieties. Do you know with our teenagers today, teenage girls in middle school and high school, one out of three teenage girls is contemplating suicide. There is more mental illness today amongst our children and young people than at any time ever. Something's not going right. Let me give you another statistic. From high schoolers, a baby boomer of which I am, only 1% of my generation had a struggle with identity. Baby boomers, 1%. Today, one in four High school students are considering transgender and identity change. One in four, 25%. We've got a mess going on here because they're believing what's being sold in the marketplace and what everybody's telling them. You have to be careful where you send your children to school. Because if they're telling them they can't use certain pronouns and they're telling them, hey, do you think you're a boy or a girl, or do you? You want to know what those teachers are saying, amen? Those are your children. You need to keep your pulse on your children and what's going on. Your worries reveal much about your heart. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about anything, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not... Are you not of much more value than they? 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like, the, like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore be anxious, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek other th after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. God's just telling us, don't be anxious, don't worry. We have to be careful. The five most common worries in this passage, finances, food, Fitness, fasting, and future. These are what people worry about. And God has all those. Amen? He'll take care of you. You could add fashion, reputation. Constant worries. A lady said to her husband, did you see Sally at church and Betty? Did you see what they wore today? The husband said no. She said, a lot of good it does you going to church because you're not paying attention. People getting caught up in the wrong kind of worries, amen? We've got to be careful. And then the last thing is look at my ambitions. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What am I trying to gain? Too many believers' ambitions are lining up with the world. If you buy into the culture with all your heart, you will lose God's priorities. And it produces tension and stress. Blessed are the pure in heart. So as we go back and look at this, as we review this, God sees all. Check your motives. Be a person of prayer. Be a giver. Learn to fast. Realign your priorities. Review activities. Be careful not allowing ambitions or anxieties to rise up and destroy your life. I just want to talk about a few things that are going on as we close today. If the salt loses its saltiness, it's no good to the kingdom of God. There's a lot of lukewarmness going on. There's a lot of radical evil taking place in our world today. It's really sad. This whole thing of transgender and identity is exploding, exploding. And I want to tell you, if your teenagers or your children are on TikTok, man, they are feeding them with all that stuff. They're just feeding them with that. You need to be looking at, when I gave you those things as parents that you can put on your iPhone to help protect your children, you need to be doing that. Like I said, 25%, one out of four are struggling with identity. America is labeled number one in the world of pushing extreme gender ideology on the world. The Biden administration is funding that more than any other administration that's ever been there, pushing this around the world. Well, Owen, don't talk about politics. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about holiness here. It's sad what we're doing. 
States are passing laws allowing abortions all the way till birth. Thank God for Indiana. Thank God for some conservative states that are doing the right things. Disney made this statement. He goes, our agenda for Disney is queering the American children. That's the statement they made out loud. My question is, why are you supporting them? Queering America. We live in a time where evil is being called good, and good is being called evil. Isaiah says that that told us that that was going to happen. I'm here to tell you persecution for the church is going to increase. But we want to keep our pure hearts. We want to continue to stay in tune with the Lord. Right now, our Justice Department has been raiding homes where people have stood up against abortion. There's been some things happened this past year that have really rattled America and the world. The whole thing with Israel and Gaza could spread and start a mess around the world. It's intensifying. That was one of the big things that happened, I believe, in September. But the second biggest thing that happened last year happened in December when the Pope declared, when he declared that relationships between gay men and women would be approved of by the Catholic Church. Just two years ago, they said that wouldn't happen. They would never do that. It was sin. They changed it. Now they're approving it. You're like, oh my goodness, the Catholic Church. Why are they supporting that? I don't know why they are, but let's go back before them. The Protestants did it with the Presbyterians and the Methodists way before the Catholics did it. Well, don't talk about this. Somebody's got to talk about this because this is, this is ungodliness. Where are the pure hearts? Where are the pastors in the pulpit speaking the truth of God's word and standing up for what's right? I mean, California passed a law that if, if children want to have a sex change, they can do it, and the parents can't do anything, and if the parents try to stop it, by law, they can be put in prison. The Biden law passed where Christian couples could not adopt children or even become temporary parents if they stood against homosexuality. They're pushing this agenda everywhere. It's sad. The sad thing about that is it's very prevalent. Keep a pulse on your teens. Keep them in church. Ten states have now passed assisted suicide in America, and seven more states are looking at passing that. We're reaching the point of no return. And we realize Scripture talks about all this. It's sad. AI technology is increasing. A man without God will worship the works of his own hands, and that's what they're doing. They're seeing all that they can do with technology. I believe China will invade Taiwan this year. I, will, I believe we will say that. And it's funny that the president just yesterday said, Taiwan cannot declare their independence. It's all being set up. 
Not only did the Catholic Church in December recognize same-sex couples by the church, in Britain, the Church of England has recognized this. The Methodist Church of the United Kingdom has recognized this. And the sad thing is the people in these denominations can no longer use father, mother, sons, and daughters. They're not allowed to make those statements. They have to use the right pronoun. That's ridiculous. The worship of the Antichrist will rise up through these false religions and churches that are pushing Jesus out. Stand with me this morning. We have apostate, an apostate spirit rising up. As a believer, you cannot support this stuff. But the problem is, most believers just stay in their seat, tuck their heads down, and don't say anything. I don't know how you can sit in a church that's approving of sin. The season that we're in is very important. Everything you say and everything you do matters more now than ever before in history. Your words, your actions matter more. There's an anointing that's taking place, and I'm, I'm excited about Gen Z and, and the millennials and what God's going to do in and through them. Jonathan Edwards said, never lose one moment of time. Never lose one moment of time. And as I was thinking about this, this is what I came up with. We have to get a bold, bright, and an attitude bent on holiness and purity. We have to be bold about it. We have to be bright and let our light shine. But we have to have an attitude bent on holiness. So with your heads bowed this morning, where are you at with Jesus? We always give people an opportunity to receive Christ every Sunday. Christians are praying right now. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, Maybe you're watching by live stream. You can receive Christ. The Bible says believe and receive him. If that's you and you don't know Christ, would you just lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor Owen. Just pray for me. Just take it up and put it back down. I don't want to miss you. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Just pray for me. I want to receive Christ. Just take it up and put it back down. Don't want to miss anybody. That was the hand of an elderly person. 80% of all decisions for Christ today are made before the age 13. Anybody after that and the older we get, what a miracle that is. Anybody else? I want to receive Christ this morning. Don't want to miss you. I thank you for lifting that hand. I want everybody to pray this prayer out loud. If you don't know Christ, you can receive it. If you're watching by live stream, you can invite him into your life. Just say this with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You lived a righteous life. You went to the cross. You died for my sins. You rose from the grave. Forgive me, Jesus. 
I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Give me a hunger for your word, a desire to fellowship with other believers. Help me to be an overcomer in temptation. If you receive Christ this morning, Pastor Taylor will be up here. You can come and talk to him after the service. But I just want to pray for everybody else. You're here this morning and say, man, I've got some areas that God wants to change. Because I really, I really want to be transparent before God and make him first in my life. So Lord, I pray for each one standing here that you'll just speak to them about their priorities. God, you'll just challenge them to review their motives. Lord, to realign their priorities, look at their activities, their ambitions, and God, make a difference. Help us, God, to be a church, to be people in you, Christ, with pure hearts. We ask it in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.